Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Said Business School, Oxford University, and Kantar, the data insights and consulting company. In each episode, we speak to industry leaders about the big issues in marketing, sharing evidence and inspiration for the future. I'm Andrew Stephen, the L'Oreal Professor of Marketing and Associate Dean of Research. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. At the Said Business School. I'm Jane Osler, Global Head of Media, Insights Division of Cantor. Today, our guest is Matt Muir, who's in the studio with us. Matt does many different things. He's a digital marketing communications person. Uh, he's also a consultant and he's a blogger. So he's quite a polymath, in fact. He's got many skills. So I welcome, Matt. Add some more. I bet it's, it's not only a blog, it's a newsletter as well. You can get it in two formats if you're... If okay. You're what, like PDF and email? Uh, you know or? what? I'll even, I'll even write out long form. If that, means, <laughs> if, that, if that means one more person reads the thing, I will, I will happily commit it to vellum. That's not a problem at all. Brilliant. So tell us um, a little bit about what you do. What, what does your typical day look like? It, it, it involves more work than I'm normally comfortable with. Um, <laughs> yes, but I sort of do freelance communication stuff, which is tended to be around PR, marketing, vaguely advertising sort of things. Uh, and yeah, um, I do bits and pieces on the side. So uh, most of that sort of strategic consultancy, a bit of digital, a bit of creative. Then the rest of it is either writing the blog newsletter thing that I write, which is called Web Curios. You can find it at Imperica.com and you should all go and subscribe right now. <laughs> um, I also write about digital and social media for Private Eye and uh, a few other places as well. Fantastic. There you go. That's that's all me. Right. That's my potted CV. Perfect. Thank you. Wonderful. So we thought we could talk about not predictions, but sort of the opposite of that. What's not going to happen? What's not going to happen? Um, <laughs> or what has this industry been saying was going to happen but actually never did? Oh, so, there's so many, so many good things. Of examples here. Where so. where do we start? Things that aren't going to happen. Let's see. This year is not going to be the year in which virtual reality takes off and becomes mainstream. <laughs> okay. This is not going to be the year in which AR becomes something that normal people on the street suddenly start using. Simply not going to happen. I can say that with absolute confidence. 
obviously if you this turns out to be wrong in the next six weeks before you broadcast this then please feel free to delete this segment <laughs> we'll entirely. Take it down. <laughs> but um i don't know what do you guys think do, do you see a, a fun and exciting and profitable future for ar and vr in the marketing space i think there are certainly uses for vr probably more business to business kind of things maybe like training or simulating environments do you know what the maybe- worst simulation that i've seen last year was genuinely true thing mm-hmm. so this is a vr simulation for human resources where the simulation no, 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 i mean you laugh but this is genuinely true where the simulation placed you in a beautifully rendered office room with in front of you a sad-faced uh, slightly watery-eyed balding man in middle age <laughs> who you had to terminate from his job okay uh, so you got to fire somebody in virtual reality and beautifully mm-hmm. what was lovely about this was the fact that it was rendered so exquisitely well that you could genuinely see the minute distress in his eyes as you delivered <laughs> more and more crushing assessments of his personal failings in the workplace <laughs> up until the point he would actually start crying uh, at certain point okay. I'm not entirely sure whether that was scored positively or negatively from the point of view of HR so yeah I mean there, there are charming charming use cases such as that so that we could of course put it to but realistically speaking do you know anyone who's bought a VR headset no, you're talking about consumer. You're talking consumer here. VR. I'm talking. Yeah. I'm talking consumer VR. Uh, no, yeah. no, no. Mm. Can you imagine anyone you know wanting well, one? I, I guess there's a gaming application that some people would be into, but you know, it, it's we're not there yet. I guess is is the point. It's a bit cumbersome, isn't it? The headset. It's thing. it's they're horrifically cumbersome. Mm. The motion tracking is generally quite poor. Even mm. when you experience things that have had loads and loads and loads of money spent on them, I don't know if you or any of your listeners happen to do. Um, I tried mountain biking once. Oh, really? That sounds horrible. Yeah, and I screamed um, (laughs) and actually did feel sick. Great, it's a wonderful experience all around. There you go. But like last year, there were a couple in London. It was fun, but it was also janky as hell. Like Mm. the the motion tracking Mm -hmm. didn't work properly. People kind of like popped in and out of focus. Weirdly, some of the characters' faces disappeared, so they're just disembodied eyeballs and teeth hanging around in space. (laughs) And this is something they'd obviously spent like a good mid to high six figures on minimum just on the tech, and Mm -hmm. it was still a bit shit. Mm. The expectation from brands, or rather the sell that agencies are making to brands, that we can make you a brilliant VR experience, it'll be all immersive. And by the way, we can do it on a shoestring. Buys. I mean, you could, but it would be terrible. It would be a complete waste of time. No one would want to do it. And by contrast, AR is a really, really, really brilliant technology. I mean, mm. the, the potential is obviously vast, but no one's quite worked out what it's for yet. What about Pokemon then? So that, that sort of took off for a bit, didn't it? I mean, it did, yeah. But mm-hmm. the thing is, fundamentally, the most of the people that played the Pokemon game and continue to play the Pokemon game, who are the main drivers of usage and who made Niantic all the money out of it, weren't playing it using the AR stuff. It was perfectly possible to play the game in a far better experience if you turned off all the AR, which was just the gimmick that they used to get people in in the first place. And that sort of applies to all of these things. I remember, like, we've been doing, talking about AR for, what, 10 years now? Time. Mm. Um, pretty much. And I remember literally a decade ago printing out these little pieces of paper and seeing this crap little 3D model on my phone going, oh, that's quite interesting. I'm never going to do this again, though. <laughs> and incredibly, in 10 years, literally nothing has changed. There's a couple of things that I think come down the line that are kind of interesting. So Google's done some interesting stuff. I don't know if you've had a chance to try out the AR overlay that they put on yeah. maps. Yes. Where it like literally shows you where you're supposed to go so you can hold up your phone and it'll literally point you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Genuinely smart. And I can see kind yeah. of use cases for that as well. But but the other problem is that people just don't use this stuff. There's no there's no natural user behavior that means that people are going to automatically think, oh, what do I want to do? I want to look at the world through the lens of my telephone to receive supplementary information about brands or products I might want to buy. <laughs> no, of course, no one's ever thought that in their life and never will they. So, you know. <laughs> Right, so what else is on this uh, this list? Right, okay. Um, <laughs> you said there were many, many, many. I, mean, I, could, so, I, could, I could go for quite a long time. <laughs> Let's see. How about artificial intelligence as a concept? And I don't... There are bits of artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can talk a little bit more about what it fundamentally means. Mm. But the blanket term, artificial intelligence, it's bollocks, isn't it? Do you mean it's misused? It's, it's, it's horribly misused, misused yeah. but also it's become a catch-all term for 
any and every marketing bullshit campaign thing that anyone wants to get whacked up on an award shortlist for innovation or something like that. We used proprietary AI technology. No, you, you, you didn't. You really didn't. You, you What you did at best was chucked a whole load of computational power at a bunch of text or images and extrapolated something from them. That's not quite the same thing. And again, for the vast majority of this stuff from a consumer-facing point of view, or indeed from a B2B point of view, there is relatively limited utility. At the moment, AI is very, or rather, let's talk about AI in the context of machine learning, because I think that makes more sense, is effectively used to do hard computational work of mass sums of data to identify patterns and things like that that you can mm. then extrapolate other ideas from or concepts from, which is great, but it requires a significant degree of human interpretation analysis to be worthwhile. And that's something that agencies aren't telling their clients or they mm -hmm. don't understand they're just saying things like oh we can build you an ai thing and it'll it'll find you i don't know the best candidates or it'll work out what the best creative is and and and, and it won't do that at least not on its own i think it's it's a lie that the industry has been telling people because it makes us sound clever and it's shiny and it means that we can maybe chuck an extra zero onto uh, the cost of something or other depending on what we build that's uh, that's particularly been grinding my gears this year i have to say but what about as as a tool to accompany you know human intelligence let's call it i think that stuff is actually genuinely interesting mm -hmm. so there's a, i've wang on about this a lot i've got a weird little obsession um i'm a terrible chess player um like i'm really 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 bad at it i'm far too stupid to play chess properly um, but I'm very interested in the mechanics of chess as a, as a game and um, you know, sort of the long-term strategic planning that's involved in being very, very good at it. And you will all remember whenever it was 20 years ago when the first death knell of humanity was sounded by Garry Kasparov mm -hmm. being mm -hmm. beaten by Deep, Deep Blue. Blue. Yeah, yeah. Which, so basically from that point on, right, people haven't been able to beat computers at chess anymore. The floor has been wiped with us. Every single mm -hmm. iteration after Deep Blue became better and better and better. And it is now quite simply impossible for even the best grandmasters to beat the best chess programs and kind of standard statement of fact. And if you watch these programs play against each other now, it's this weird sort of Baroque version of the game of chess that nobody really understands. They're playing like some sort of elevated Mm -hmm. kind of 17 degrees remove meta game around the side of it what's really odd about this though is that if you take a chess program and pit it against a human the chess program always wins if you take a, a chess program and pit it against a human paired with a slightly less good chess program the human paired with the slightly less good chess program has a reasonably decent chance of beating the very good chess program which mm -hmm. suggests that there's something interesting and special about the combination of machine intelligence and human intelligence, maybe the the elasticity of the human realm, giving us a lot of credit here, I'm saying <laughs> elasticity, who knows. But you know, certain qualities of human yeah. intelligence that can't currently be replicated by machines that are in conjunction with each other lead to kind of interesting developments. On its own though, not so much. Where I do think AI is kind of maybe making some interesting, uh, interesting moves is in creative and creative development. Surely, we're not that far from a point where you can get a machine to chuck together a bunch of random examples, send them to the client, and get the client to pick it, and get the machine then to churn out variants on the one that the client picked. Like, this is not hard to imagine. I don't know if you guys saw Adweek. They took the scripts of 30 years worth of US Super Bowl adverts mm -hmm. and um, trained a neural net on them using GPT-2, which is the sort of current best version of sort of linguistic AI, and got it, got this AI to sort of imagine ads based on the 30 years of script. They were brilliant. Like, mm -hmm. honestly, there were some genuinely wonderful ones. There was there was one about Anthony Hopkins and a horse just kind of staring <laughs> at you. It's like a work of surreal brilliance. It's exactly like you could see the direct creative through line from the old Spice stuff from 20 yes. years ago through to this. If you can do that with basically a little bit of rudimentary fudge bot technique and a bit of human polishing, 
and punt out this stuff. Honestly, mm-hmm. we're only a couple of years away from uh, from I don't know a machine winning a golden pencil. Well, let's let's come back to this in two years' time. We'll do this again. <laughs> yeah, all right, see, brilliant. Okay. Right, okay, we could we could see how wrong I was. <laughs> when I'm sitting here doing it via AR and, yeah. uh, and on my exactly. virtual reality yeah. headset yes, and things like that. On, yeah. So we've spoken about things that the industry might or might not have got wrong. What do you think we're missing? Are there any things that are happening that you think are emerging trends that we've all got a blind spot for? This is going to make me sound antediluvian because this isn't a new trend at all. It's been forever. But something that, in my experience at least, brands, agencies, creators in general are still incredibly bad at, and I really think is still a massive area of opportunity, is is vertical video. Attempting to talk to 40-plus-year-old cameramen, and I say this as somebody who is 40, this is not like, <laughs> I'm old too, about, no, 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 mate, no, no, we, we really need to get this vertical. Can I just can I just shoot wide and crop it? No, no, mate, I'd, I'd really like you to try and do something different here. We've, we've been doing vertical for like, for 10 years now, pretty mm-hmm. much, right? Yeah. And, and still, we're at a point where people shoot 69 and then cut the middle for the creative, or they'll they'll just basically do it on a phone or something. It, this, the the potential here is vast, and I think the past twelve months and the explosion of TikTok as a, as a kind of massively trendy medium that everyone wants to talk about and pretends they understand has shown more than anything the incredible degree of creativity and genuinely new visual stuff yeah. that you can do using vertical, using mobile, and all the rest of it that isn't being exploited at all. So I've seen. I remember four or five years ago. I think I first saw. A beautiful piece of animation. Um, I can't remember if it was a music video or something out of Korea or Japan, which was an entire music video that was entirely done as the um, as experienced by the screen of a teenager's phone. And I've seen a couple of different sort of short films and things that have done stuff like this. It's it's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant storytelling medium and offers so many opportunities for creativity, for difference, to use eye-catching techniques, to use framing in interesting ways. And nobody is doing this. I think something that people aren't doing enough is going out and hiring 20-year-olds who are brilliant about this stuff to make their content for them. I think the other thing about TikTok that's interesting is the fact that, you know, obviously it's mostly user-generated and there are other tools that are then promoted on TikTok to help you do special editing techniques or it's quite genuinely transformational the fact that you can mix in actual music tracks and people copy each other so it's it's a completely different kind of experience but do you think it means that younger people are maybe more creative in ways that older people aren't or they've just got these new tools and they're just exploiting them um i think it's a combination of the two i think Firstly, the tools are incredible. I mean, mm. uh, it's horrible. I was having a conversation with celebrity photographer Rankin the other day. Uh, as and you do. As, yeah. as, as one does. And he was saying that what you can do with your phone now would have been over £25,000 worth of kit 20 years ago, which is obviously 100% true. And that obviously does afford huge degrees of breadth of opportunity and things like that. I do also think, though, that young people do think differently. I think the medium through which you consume media is necessarily impactful on the manner in which you conceive of that media, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make a sweeping generalisation and presume that we're all vaguely of contemporary ages, pretty much. Thank you. Thank you for that. I'm totally flattered. That's Um, great. And we we all grew up watching watching television. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I think of video, because of that, my default is a 16-9 rectangle. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Like, it just is. Mm-hmm. That is definitely not the same for somebody who is 15. Yep. Purely because their relationship with video as a medium has been entirely, largely mediated, at least in the most recent portion of their lives, via their phone. And that completely changes what you think about what you can do with it, the manner in which you consume it, where you consume it, and all the rest of it. I think this is this is a, a constant complaint, I think, in agency land. But I think we're sort of getting to a tipping point now where there is a real generational divide in the ability to not understand these forms of communication but use them wonderfully yeah i think i think it's very very i'm i would be amazed if i saw a brilliant piece of vertical creative that had been directed by somebody over the age of 40 which i know is a terribly ageist thing to say but i do think i do think there's also a fundamental truth in that that basically that stuff and this area is very much a young person's game and i think agencies can and should be doing more to get younger people firstly involved in the production process because it's good for the agency but secondly because there's a huge wealth of talent out there that is not being exploited by the commercial sector in this sense right now i think that's really interesting because the sort of current narrative part of the narrative is that you know oh the the creative days have gone digital media doesn't allow creativity but actually all the people who are saying that are mostly people who are used to doing tv ads on very large budgets um you know and they're you know harking back to the old days of the kind of rock star creative and all that kind of barfy stuff which we don't really you know which isn't really moving the dialogue on so I think that's that's exciting and I think you're right agencies do have to start to think about how they transform themselves with young you know what does creativity mean now it's a very different proposition to even five years ago 100% I I totally agree with that and and I think it's vertical is is one expression of it but there's so much more I mean the idea Again, if I were in the unlikely position of running an agency, which I'm very, very, very glad I'm not, I would be seriously considering the idea of building a mobile-first creative studio mm-hmm. within the agency, purely, like literally, a bunch of children with phones yeah. <laughs> and two very, very, very powerful Macs. Just go and mm-hmm. see what you can do. I think there's there's vast, vast scope, and um, and yeah, it's something that people ought to be considering exploring more. So the next thing we thought we'd talk about and get your get your take on is the overuse of jargon and annoying buzzwords in our industry. It's um, not just ours, though. Come well, on, every, it's every, every industry, industry has that's it. true. But let's I, pick on ourselves. I, just, you know? just as an aside, I used to work in in fine art. I did like PR for fine art galleries and stuff like that. <laughs> you have never known wank until you have experienced <laughs> international art English. <laughs> Honestly, once you once you find yourself writing press releases with phrases like. The artist's work evokes the quiddity of the soul and the personal <laughs> nomenclature of the self in relation to the juxtaposition of the real and unreal. Or, and stuff like that. Like, okay. Literally, you can do anything. But it's yeah. All right, so they win the prize. But about uh, <laughs> <laughs> for us, so what, what, what particularly bothers you and what should we stop using? I mean, not only stop using the word, but but also just stop the thing as a concept. This I first heard this mentioned by Twitter at a Twitter conference a few years ago and it's, it's, it's had an unpleasantly long shelf life. But Branter... 
as in brands oh, bantering no. with oh, each no. other. Oh gosh! Like yes. I, it it, it yeah. makes me it makes me genuinely <laughs> homicidal. Partly because it's a horrible portmanteau word that should never have existed, but yeah. also because because what is that? That's two people sitting in banal offices pretending to be anthropomorphized, <laughs> vaguely existentially troubled versions of brands talking to each other for the benefit of what seven people on twitter why why are you doing this like this is actual adults and also if you've ever worked in agency land you know how fucking long that would have taken to get signed off you know the hours that someone would have sent pouring over whether or not they should say hi or hi hai and and the tone and oh my god this is awful make it stop no one cares Okay, so we're saying goodbye to um, to Branta. Yeah, All yeah, right. okay. yeah. We are. Um, also, can we say goodbye to influencer? Because because <laughs> because unless unless maybe in twenty twenty, can someone adequately define what influence is for me, please? I would say it's probably it, it's usually a way of generating word of mouth, usually through PR departments by harnessing niche-ish celebrities or subject area experts to transmit your brand message on a number of different social platforms and or sell stuff <laughs> directly yeah that's okay. that, that's, right. that's not bad that mm, you know okay. that, that ticks a lot of box i haven't i don't have a <laughs> definition of influence per se but there's a philosopher called robert dahl from the early to mid 20th century who defined power as a's ability to make b do something that b would not otherwise have done without a's intervention Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's very good. So influencers could be argued maybe to be people who can make people do think or say something they wouldn't have done had the influencer not persuaded them to do so. Except we've got no proof of this, have we? Well, this is our thesis in our trend and prediction, actually, as we say, the thing is that influencer measurement and effectiveness measurement needs to go up because actually just having messages isn't good enough. You need to say, well, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to sell stuff? Are you trying to change somebody's mind, to your point? And actually brands are just measuring, or a lot of them are just measuring likes at the moment. They're not actually measuring meaningful metrics. Yeah, so, it's, it's about as good as AVE as a, as a measurement metric um, at the moment. Uh, so yeah, influence and, and brands are two definitely that I would like to see oubliated in 2020. Okay. How about you guys? Well, actually, on the, on the influencer front, authenticity. <laughs> I think this is another good one. Not not that inherently it's a bad thing, but again, it's 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 ill conceived, ill defined. What is it? How do we measure it? Um, does it actually drive some kind of meaningful outcome? So I, so I find that one either we need to work harder on it, or we call it something else that yep. is more meaningful. Jane. I guess the ones I have difficulty with, the phrases I have difficulty with, are sort of sports analogies, quite often US sports analogies that I just don't understand. Like when people say, <laughs> I'm going to double down. I right, Is that a baseball thing? <laughs> or is that a soccer thing that I don't understand? It's, it's sporting. And then over time, six months later, I think, oh, well... I think I now understand the context they're using it, but for a while you'd kind of pretend. But I wouldn't actually use them myself because I feel it would be very inauthentic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, I've, I've got, I've got one more. Okay, one more seeing as we're here. Digital. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Can we kill that as a word, please? Like, when was the last time any of us did any work that wasn't on the internet? Like, really? Everyone's mm-hmm. job is digital. Unless, uh, fine. I, there's an exception for people who actually make things. You're allowed to have the word digital in your title. If you code or if you build stuff, you can have digital. Everyone else will leave it alone. Where, where do yeah. you stand on content? I prefer the word stuff. Okay. Okay. Uh, also, I mean, I think there's, and this, apologies to everybody, anyone <laughs> listening to this who classes themselves as a content creator, but honestly, if you describe what you make 
in your creative life as content, you have dust where your soul should be. <laughs> and stuff is better because... Because at least it's not pretending to be meaningful. It's just yeah. stuff, isn't it? Okay, so let's do one more, but I'm going to throw this one in the mix. Video games, or gaming more broadly. So um, what's your take on that? I, I like video games. I'm a middle-aged white man. Of yeah. course I like video games. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, part, of, it's part of my identity. <laughs> Gaming is a really interesting is a really interesting area for marketing, comms, advertising, and is only going to become more so. I think we've been promised this idea of, um, sort of persistent virtual worlds and places that people are going to hang out for again about ten years now. There was something called um, PlayStation Home, which Sony tried to make happen around about two thousand eight, if I'm not mistaken, but it never really quite took off. And you had Second Life around about the same time as well. Mm-hmm. But the worldwide phenomenon that has been Fortnite which kind of builds off Minecraft in many ways. I mean, obviously, they're very different properties, but there are certain fundamental principles behind them in terms of shared space and the manner in which young people are taken to using them that I think has been genuinely transformative. There's um, a fascinating article by an industry analyst all around the concept of the metaverse that I read recently, the metaverse being effectively this idea of that's prevalent in science fiction, but also in kind of science fact, about the idea of uh, the creation of persistent virtual realms that map very closely onto the physical and where you can have a high degree of transferability of goods and experiences between the physical and the virtual and this is something that I think we're going to see significant amounts more of there's I think what's really interesting to me about this is the manner in which young people use Fortnite as a space not necessarily just to play games but to hang out in in the same way the older teenagers will all jump on I don't know Call of Duty or whatever they won't necessarily be there to play the game Right, they'll play the game, but that's not necessarily the primary purpose. The primary purpose is much the same as when I was a kid. I used to spend like three hours when I came home from school on the phone to the same people who I'd just spent all day at school with. This is exactly the same. The only difference is it's happening in this sort of virtual space. I think that affords a huge opportunity for brands and communicators. But there is a real difficulty because much as we were talking about earlier in terms of vertical video and the the need for a certain degree of native understanding to make anything good. Similarly, the idea of I'm I'm slightly terrified and horrified by the idea of too many middle aged people marching in with hobnail boots and attempting to create an exciting brand space within the Fortnite universe <laughs> um, and, and things like that. I think. There are going to be increasing opportunities. I mean, Fortnite, um, Epic have been incredibly smart at the way they've monetized it. I mean, the the amount of money they've made from brand collaborations over the course of the past 12 months is, is a terrifying amount. But um, we're going to see more and more of this sort of stuff start happening across more and more spaces. The arrangements for brands to be able to insert themselves into these spaces are going to become more formalized as more and more publishers understand the potential revenue stream there, as more and more brands understand that it's a perfect place to be able to not only talk to, but properly engage with in a very interactive sense, the younger audiences that they're said to to speak to but i think there's a very very real need to remember the importance of being i'm going to use the word authentic being authentic (laughs) uh, being cognizant of the sort of space that you're operating in the rules of engagement and how it is that people use it natively rather than attempting to define the terms of engagement by yourself as a brand which as we all know never works to Future Proof. For all episodes and more information, visit uk.cantar.com or oxfordfutureofmarketing.com. Please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe within your podcast app so you know when new episodes are released. Thank you. Thank you.